Amen. Well, you can have a seat. Man, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Amen. I, I just, some of you, I probably, if I could have seen your face, some of you were like this. <laughs> I get it. I know that for some of you, it's like, that's a little too much for me. I get it. But, but I think one of the things you have to know is that as a church, we want to kind of be, we want to be the kind of church that represents what the scripture actually says. Because, you know, there are moments that we're quiet and contemplative and, and, and we're just seeking God in that moment. But there are also moments in the scripture that we're told to shout. Like, you remember, like, when, when uh, it was a, thank you, Ralph. I got this, I promise. So, the, that when the, the people of God were marching around that wall, right? God tells them to shout. It didn't say, hey, wall, will you just kind of move? He tells them to shout. And, uh, and so we want to make sure that we're representing the scriptures well. And so if that wasn't your thing, that's okay. We're just inviting you into something different and a little new. And, and I promise we'll, be, we'll do other songs that you'll like to. Because, uh, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in a series I did on worship. That worship isn't about you anyway. That it's about God. And, and so sometimes we actually make these, these decisions that keep us from something new or different or to express ourselves in some new or different way. And I just want to challenge you today. Just, just, just be willing in faith to press into whatever that is. Because I just believe that God's on the other side of it. I really do. Because I've found that sometimes my preferences aren't right. Have you noticed that? I don't know. I mean, is anybody in here that believes that their preferences are always right? Anybody? Yeah, there's one. That's great. Security. I'm just kidding. Well, hey, um, just real quick. Um, as you know, this past week, uh, Florida and the East Coast experienced such a terrible uh, hurricane uh, that has destroyed so much, um, especially in Southwest Florida, and there's a flooding has been all over the place, and, and even into you know Carolinas and in that area as well, uh, and so it's been pretty significant. And our pastors, uh, Pastor Matt and Sarah Keller, who pastor a church called Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida, which is really kind of ground zero for some of that, um, they obviously were affected. That whole area was affected, and. And, uh, and so they sent out a video that I just wanted to share with you really quick so you can kind of see what's going on there. And so let's watch that really quick. Pastor Matt and Pastor Sarah are leading that cause down there, and we are a part of a network of churches. I think right now we're probably around 115 different churches all over the country, and a lot of those churches are in Florida. And, and so they're doing an enormous amount of work right now. Uh, if you've been in a, those kinds of disaster environments, it's just it's unbelievable the kind of thing that people are dealing with. And, 
And, uh, and so I just wanted to say that as a church, we have already committed to give dollars as a church to support. And so as a church, we've contributed to the crisis fund already. Um, but I also wanted to give you the opportunity to do that as well as they serve people. And so on your uh, seat in front of you, or I mean on your seat as you sat down, there's a little card with a QR code. And if you want, you can take a picture of that. It'll take you to a link where if you'd like to contribute to that. And I just want to say, this is not for your tithe. This is for sacrificial offerings. This is for something over and above your tithe. And so it's designed for that. If you'd like to contribute, I just figured, you know what, let's do it directly to them so they can get the funds and, and get to work. And one of the things that Pastor Matt said this morning that was so great is he said, um, yesterday alone, we've served 10,000 people with food and water and ice at their Fort Myers location. And they've served 15,000 hot meals out of their east location. And so, you know, they're making a difference right now, it, you know, and so this isn't theory. Uh, this is a difference of making a difference right now as we speak. And so just encourage you to contribute. And as things settle down a little bit, there may be opportunities for us to do more. Uh, and so we may be able to um, even take some teams down there and begin to contribute in that way as well. And so for some of you that might be inclined in that way, uh, we'll just kind of keep it uh, out there as we... as. Because the truth is, they don't have power yet. I mean, most of the places don't even have power. So they can't house teams yet. Uh, and so it's just, a, most of the hotels aren't even open. And so it's just a, it's a really bad spot. And uh, so anyway, I'd like to offer a prayer for them. And if you would like to pray with me, please, please do. God, we thank you for the fact that when tragedy happens, I tell you, Lord, you always do your best work. Your church always does the best work in tragedy. And so God, I pray that in the midst of this difficult, difficult situation, that you would give the opportunity to all of the different churches in that region. Just give them opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, would you strengthen their hand? Would you strengthen their form so that they can do the work that you've called them to, God? We pray for divine favor with the government. We pray for divine favor with leadership. We pray, God, that as people look around, they will see the church shining bright in the midst of these difficult times. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are starting a new series today, uh, and that series is called Monsters in the Closet. And uh, some of you may be wondering what this is all about. Um, but basically, it, it, it's this idea that each one of us, every person in this room, has a side to us that can kind of be monsterish. You know what I mean? There's a side to our personality. Even though our personality can be a very good thing and wonderful thing, created in the image of God, good, and yet there can also be a shadow side, so to speak. There can be a side to us that maybe when we're squeezed, it comes out, if you know what I'm saying. And so, so what I want to do for the next few weeks is spend just a little time talking about that side of us. Because what I truly believe is that God not only wants to help us define and see the personality that he gave us, but I think he also wants to help us see this, that side of that personality that potentially harms ourselves, harms other people, and that kind of thing. So I know that for some of us it's like, oh no, why, why are we doing this? I'm good. I, I, I think I like myself just fine. And so, so I get it. But I truly believe this 100%, that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And of course, it involves Jesus and the resurrection and us being saved and spending eternity with God. But it also involves him transforming us into the very image of Christ in this world. And in order to do that, we've got to do some work. We've got, to, we've got to invest our time in this. And so I hope you're excited about Monsters in the Closet as we dig in just a little bit. Um, I wonder if you've ever had the opportunity to experience someone from afar, maybe a leader, a person, and then had the opportunity to be up close and personal with them and get to know them a little bit better. And the person that you saw from afar is different than the person that you saw up close. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had that moment where you, where you were like, wow, you're amazing. 
And then you worked for them. And you're like, wait a second, what happened? Wait, 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 you were so amazing. And now I experience you one-on-one or as a boss or as a leader or a pastor. And you notice that, wait a second, something is different than what I experienced from afar. Well, I want to suggest to you today that there's a reason for that. In other words, there's a part of us that's public. You know, there's a part of us that is facing out that people can see. But there's also parts of us that no one else sees until they're up close. Until they actually get to experience you as a leader. Or when you're under pressure. Or when you're in situations where you, this side of us, the monster side of us, so to speak, comes out. And what I've found is, I've had this experience, I suspect you have as well. What I've found is, is that a lot of times we don't even know it about ourselves. Like in other words, asking yourself this question. It's a great question. Not just how do I act or how am I as a leader or how am I as a person, but asking this question, how do other people experience me? That, my friends, is a scary question. Because I don't know about you, but I don't really want to know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know that really. But, but it, it's an important question because if we don't address that, then that, that means that people are experiencing us in a way that we don't know about. They're experiencing us in a way that maybe just maybe makes them not want to be around us. And as leaders and people within the church, we have to do better as we examine and look at this important idea of those monsters that are in our closet. Because as John Ortberg said, everybody's normal until you get to know them. Right? You just, it's just true. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then you get to know them and you start to figure out, oh, wow, you're different. You know what I mean? That happens in marriage, it happens in relationships, it happens in friendships, it happens in leadership dynamics and in bosses and work and all that kind of stuff. The reality is, is that this happens to all of us. It's very relevant to each one of our lives. But I know this 100% that Jesus wants to make sure that however people experience us, however we represent him, that it actually looks like him. Do you know what I mean? That seems fair, right? And that, 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 that's what Jesus wants for us. And so I want to read to you what I'm just calling our message series verses. Uh, and I'll just read them to you out of Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 3 through 4. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. But listen to these words. Then, the Lord, then he said, or Jesus said, I tell you the truth. So he's telling you the truth. Is he lying to you? No, he's telling you the truth. So this is from Jesus. He says, unless you turn from your sins... And become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of God. Oh, no. Then he says this. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. So these are the words of Jesus. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks is spend some time looking real seriously at what we need to do to be able to represent Christ well by allowing him to investigate, come on, investigate what's inside of us. Because isn't it true that sometimes we go to the scriptures to find something for ourselves, but it really has nothing to do with us finding the thing that we probably need, which is for the scripture to read us and not us read it. See, we need the scriptures to read us. We need the scriptures to say to us, hey, you know the other day, when you did X, that kind of hurt some people. Now, it may be appropriate in your world or in your business or in whatever it is you're in, but it may not be appropriate in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. And so the big idea for this series is simply this. Listen to this. Is that in order to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promises? Anybody in here not want the abundant life that Jesus promises? Well, of course not. Everybody wants that. We love that verse. We're like, yes, I need it. I want it. In order to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promises us, we must confront the monsters in our closet. We have to be serious about confronting the monsters in our closet 
And so you might ask yourself, what monsters? I don't have any monsters. My closet's clean. <laughs> what I've found is if you have that perspective, it's just ask someone that knows you. <laughs> like ask your spouse, ask a friend, ask your mother if you so dare. Because the reality is, is we all have some monsters in our closet. We all have some things on our, uh, in our personalities that potentially don't necessarily lift up the name of Jesus. And if we're not lifting up the name of Jesus in our behaviors, then I would suggest to you that the abundant life that Jesus wants to provide for you now, not later, isn't necessarily happening. So, so it's important that we confront these monsters because Jesus tells us very clearly in John 10.10, 10, right? He says very clearly that his purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Or some translations say abundant life. So Jesus wants to bring that into our life. He wants to give us this. And you might say, well, what monsters? What are you talking about? Well, here's, here's a few working definitions of the monsters, all right? The first is, uh, or, or this is one definition I, I would suggest to you, is that it's the dysfunctional aspects of our personalities that can hijack the life of abundance that Jesus wants us to enjoy. You're like, are you saying that I have a dysfunctional side to my personality? That's exactly what I'm saying. And you're like, really? Yes. There's an aspect of all of our personalities that if we don't address can cause harm, can hijack God's best for our lives. Here, let me say it more specifically. Uh, our inner urges, maybe even put desires, our inner urges, compulsions, motivations, and dysfunctions that, look, do two things. They drive us towards success, okay, so there's an aspect of our personality that actually drives us towards success, which can be a good thing. However, it also, that same personality, can undermine our accomplishments. So you can be driven towards success with your personality and at the same time be hijacked by it. And we see that in our world pretty consistently. In other words, here, let me ask it this way. Uh, if you have this kind of personality, which I kind of do, is that... that we are going to get this job done. We are going to get this job done, right? Anybody like this? No matter what, we're going to get the job done. Well, the other side to that is not just did you get the job done, but how did you get it done? And if in the how you harmed other people to get it done, I would suggest to you that there's a problem. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's success can be very much person motivated, very committed, doing the thing that they need to do. And at the same time, you can cause harm and chaos in the lives of people. I've worked for leaders before that there was bodies behind them as they accomplished the things that God had told them to do. Some of you in this room today are a byproduct of that that you've experienced a leader that was at all costs, no matter what. And you come into elevation with a variety of church hurt because that's the kind of person you experienced. And you and I both know that that's not what God wants. He wants his leaders to be different. He wants his people to be different. But in order to do that, we've got to investigate the monsters in our own closet. And especially if you lead people you need to investigate the monsters in your own closet. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the monster of control. Uh-oh. We'll wait for next week for all of you that are like, I'm not coming. <laughs> the monster of control, the monster of narcissism. I'm going to try to define that because everybody's, it just seems like everybody's throwing out narcissism nowadays. They're like, they don't even know what it is. They just think it's a self-focus, you know what I mean? And they're like, oh, that person's narcissistic. Perhaps you should stop diagnosing people if you don't have any degrees to do so. You know what I'm saying? Just be careful. Because it's funny how we just do that. I just think, I think you got to be careful. Paranoia is another monster that we're going to live with. Another one is codependency. And then finally, the last one is passive aggressiveness. Uh-oh. So it's going to be fun. 
right? You guys are going to enjoy this so much. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome as we begin to work hard at experiencing the abundant life that Jesus wants for us. Because see, that's what God wants. And he, but it's going to take some work, I'm just telling you. And so the thing that I've noticed, though, is if you look through history and you look at leaders and people who have maybe you might describe as massively failed, right? And, and you probably have the person in your name. Usually Hitler's in the list, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's usually in the list of all lists. He's always there, you know. So Hitler's always in the list. Uh, other people that you might think of that have massively failed, massively done harm to people and to the world and things like that. And then there are other people that they kind of did, and it's kind of really bad, but it's a little more acceptable because they weren't, uh, you know, putting people in concentration camps. But yet they were just as vicious, just as uh, paranoid, just as broken, it just means that they maybe didn't do it on a global scale. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And so like people like Hitler, yes, but, 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 but people like General Douglas MacArthur, most people don't even think about that guy. He did some things he shouldn't have done. Richard Nixon. Some of you young people are like, who is that? He was one of your presidents. Nixon was known for being paranoid. And so, so these kinds of things are true in our world and in leaders. And, and the thing that, that seems to be common in all of those people, here are three things that are common in people who fail massively. One is they have personal insecurities, very real personal insecurities. Number two is they have feelings of inferiority. Have you ever met someone that was a high-capacity leader that was terribly insecure? Friends, those people are very dangerous. It's important that you think about these. So personal insecurities, feelings of inferiority, and then finally, unhealthy need of parental approval. You're like, wow, I don't have any of that, right? None of you have that. None of you have any of this in your life. Praise God. But these are three common characteristics of people who struggle to really investigate and really do the work that they need to do. And if they don't, here's the thing I know. Problems will happen. People will get hurt. And here's the thing that I want for us, not on a global scale, but on a very individual, personal level, is that I would just simply face some of the challenges I have and allow Christ to speak into the areas of my life that are not honoring him and allow him to do his transformative work in my life. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm asking you to allow Christ to change you and then allow him to use you to affect the world. And so we've got to, to dig in in order to see this happen. But these unhealthy sides of us can really drive us towards doing horrible things. As we think about success, do we live in a world that wants success? Do we live in a world that's predicated on success? Do we live in a world that's defined success maybe in a way that God never defined it? Yes, we do. And what can happen is in our attempt to be successful, in our attempt to be ambitious and be productive for the kingdom of God, what can happen is that our shadow side, the dysfunctional side of our life can come out and people can get hurt. See, because consequently what I've figured out is that my personality doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's something that is impacted by the world around me. You know what I mean? And, and so like, here, here's just an easy way to say it. You're fine when the pressure's not on. But when the pressure shows up, you change. When the pressure shows up, something comes out of you that you don't necessarily want to come out of you. You know what I'm talking about? And I was reading this week in the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus was talking about how that when that happens, what he's saying is I can't blame it on things outside of me. He says that that monster comes from inside of me. Do you get it? It's coming from somewhere. That inside of me, it's coming out of me as I'm being squeezed, so to speak. And I also know this that pressure isn't always bad. Pressure can reveal 
what's there. Pressure can also create diamonds. Yes? And so pressure isn't always bad. Pressure can create diamonds, but pressure can also create disaster. And so if we aren't careful in the squeezing of life, everybody in here is going to experience squeezing of life, yes? That's going to happen. That in the, in the pressures of life, if we're not careful, what can happen is we create disaster, not diamonds. And God wants us to create diamonds. And so I just want to ask you a question today. I know this is kind of a, we're kind of setting up the series. So stay with me. Would you be willing to focus on whatever pain or chaos or side of you that potentially is keeping that from happening? Would you be willing to allow the pain and the chaos to serve, listen, as a catalyst to take you deeper into the recesses of that dark side? Would you allow the Spirit of God to take you by your hand and walk you into his presence where he simply says, son, daughter, I'd like to share with you some things that I think if you'll let me Matter of fact, I know if you'll let me, we'll be able to deal with. And you then will be able to experience all that God wants. I love the way that Annie Dillard said it. She said this, Are we, do we have enough courage to ride the monster all the way down? All the way down, all the way to the bottom. You know what I'm talking about? The last 10%. Are we willing to go all the way down? I don't know about you, but I don't like that. That's a very scary idea. Because I, I think there are barriers and things that keep me from doing that because it's scary, yes? Those monsters in my closet are very scary. And there's a reason I put a door between them and me. Because they're not fun to deal with. They're icky and gross. And, and who wants a monster in their house? Not me. And so, I know everybody's so excited about this series now. Like everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I thought the music was good. But I'm good. As a church, one of the things that matters to us most of all is not that people come and just feel comfortable. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to be open, though, to the possibility that God wants to help heal you. That God wants to heal you in the areas of your life that maybe you don't even know you need healing. See, God wants to do that kind of work. Unless we're dead, God is always working to transform us into the image of Christ until we get to heaven. And so my job as a follower is to submit those things to the Lord and say, Lord, have your way. Your will, your way, not mine. Your Lord. And so whatever it is you want to show me, I'm willing to offer it to you. All those long-buried ideas, all those long-buried experiences, those pains, those shames that can get in the way. And this is just true. I'm going to be honest with you. This is where many people bail. This is, this is where it happens. Is when we start to get serious about some of these things, this is where people bail. Because, see, there's a process of transformation. And what happens is, and, and look at this. What happens is in the transformative arc, we're going towards transformation. And as we go down into the places we don't want to go, right, riding the monster all the way down, it gets scary. It gets hard. And the truth is, we don't want to make that journey. And you know what most people do? They jettison the process. They leave, they quit, or they medicate. In order not to go down all the way. But here's what I want to promise you. Listen to me. If you're willing to go down, I promise you God is going to bring you up. He will. He says it in his word. If you will face it and go all the way down with him, if you will hold on, there is hope on the other side, and that hope will then lead to the joy and the abundance that you so desire. But you've got to be willing to take the journey. And so often in our lives, we're unwilling to take that journey. And I get it. 
I'm not even mad at you. I'm not even, because it's hard. And so I understand that some of us in the room right now are like, no, absolutely not. I'm good. See ya. I get it. But if you could, if you could take the journey with us over the next few weeks, is it possible that God is going to reveal some things to you? That God is going to heal some things in you? That God is going to lead you to a greater experience of his abundance? That maybe, just maybe, you'll be the person that you want to be to the people that you love and the people that you work with or for or whatever, or that work for you? It would be amazing, wouldn't it? I don't know. Maybe some of you are like, no, I'm good. But if I asked you this question, do you want the abundance? You would say yes. So I'm just saying, ride that dragon and believe that God is going to bring you the abundance because he will. I believe that 100%. If you'll give it to him, he'll do it. So where do we start, right? Like, where do we start? Well, like I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to be dealing with various topics around this idea of monsters in the closet. But, but I, I, I do want to start with a very clear, big idea. And it's simply this. Humility leads to healing. Humility leads to healing. The thing that Jesus represented to the world was humility. I don't know if you know this, but before Jesus came into the world, humility was not seen as a virtue. It was seen as a weakness. And when Jesus showed up in the world and started to act differently, Jesus represented something new to the world that nobody even knew was an important and good thing. It was actually considered a vice. Did you know that? Did you know that humility was considered a vice before Jesus showed up? Crazy to think about historically. But then listen to this. Jesus says these words, which I read a little bit earlier. Matthew 18, 3 through 4. He says, then he said, I'll tell you the truth. So you're getting truth today. Everybody loves truth, right? Say, I love truth. I love truth. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, I don't. <laughs> I love truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says this a little bit later. He says this, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, these are the words of Jesus. And so Jesus is telling us that in order for us to experience the kingdom of God, and in order for us to experience the abundance of Christ, we have to become like little children. We have to turn or repent of our sins. We have to acknowledge simply that I have sin in my life, and I need God's help to deal with it. I know that this isn't sexy, but I'm telling you it's important. That see, we have to understand that there is a problem in me, not a problem in God. And God is helping to work that out by helping us identify sins in our life, shadow sides of our personality that potentially lead to sin, so that we can find the freedom so that we can become humble like little children. Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you'll become like a child, if you'll become humble like, like a little child, before me, your God, your creator, your maker, I will begin this transformative process in you. And you know what he says? And this is so important that we see. Every Christian leader should be a servant. And if we don't serve our people, if we don't, even in business, friends, if we don't serve people, then what happens is we are not representing who we actually say we are. Because you do not check your identity and your personality as a Christian at the door when you walk into the marketplace. When you walk into the marketplace, you are there to be light. You are there to be salt and light. You are there to show people Jesus. And so we should be servants and everybody should be like, why does that guy act like that? Why does that gal do this? They're different. They're weird. They might even think, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of that person. Was Jesus ever taken advantage of? I found that children of Jesus don't particularly like to be taken advantage of. Do you? I don't. But Jesus was taken advantage of and he didn't fight back. Isn't that crazy? 
See, that's a whole different world, isn't it? Because when I get taken advantage of, I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. I got you. Isn't that what you do? Isn't that what comes up in you? Like when someone takes advantage of you. You either run or you fight, one or the other. And so my point is, is that Jesus tells us something different. He says those who are humble, those who are humble will be exalted. Those who show a different way will be exalted. And so we have to investigate because here's what I know. These truths are so clear in our world today. And I just want you to hear them, okay? Number one, when my doing, listen to me, when my doing gets wrapped around my being, bad things happen. In other words, I am a follower of Jesus. Therefore, I have expectations to honor the Lord that I serve. But when my doing gets wrapped around that being, I can then do things that are really not good. Because I'm trying to get ahead. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to... And so what happens is, this is where we become workaholics. Because somehow if we do and do and do and we work harder and we work harder and we work harder, then somehow we're going to be better. And I'm just going to suggest to you today, it's not true. It's a lie. And if you'll ride that monster all the way down, you'll discover that your identity, your being, should never be wrapped around your doing. Because the Bible says to you 100%, clear as day, you are a child of God and there is nothing you can do to deserve it. And if you will live with that, you will stop striving for the world and for people to approve of you. Woo! Come on now. For some of us in the room, that's life. Because so much of our doing is wrapped around our being. And here's the second truth I know, is when my success is measured in terms of having as opposed to being, bad things happen. In other words, if I have more, have you ever heard this? The, that that, that if, you are, if you have more, you're better, right? Now, I know we wouldn't say that as Christians, but isn't it interesting that so many of us live this way? That if I get more, acquire more stuff, that somehow, if I just get that house, if I just get that car, if I just get whatever it is, that pay, that job, oh, whatever it is, that somehow, maybe, just maybe, that I will be somebody. And I want to suggest to you that that desire is not from God. And it potentially is going to lead you down a path that is going to lead to your own destruction. And the harming of people that you care for and love. And you're like, wow. Enrich Fromm said it this way. Listen to this. It's so powerful. Listen. To have, so it would seem, is a normal function of life. Yes? In order to live, we must have things. Moreover, we must have things in order to enjoy them. In a culture, listen to this, in which the supreme goal is to have and to have more and more and in which one can speak of someone as being, listen to this, being worth a million dollars. How can there be an alternative between having and being? And she says this, on the contrary, it would seem that the very essence of being is having. That if one has nothing, one is nothing. Get that. That when we attach our being to our having, if you have nothing, then you therefore are nothing. Friends, that's a scary place to be, isn't it? That somehow our identity would be wrapped around that. And so, so here's what I want to suggest to you, that God has a better way. God has a plan for our life that's different than this, this, this cycle that we live in of success and, and being and having and all the stuff that God has a better way for us. And he wants us to experience that. And I just want you to experience that as well. See, Paul says this, listen to this. Paul says this in chapter 4, verse 11 of, the, of Philippians. He says, not that I have everything, or not that I have ever not that I was ever in need, sorry. He says, for I have learned how to be content. How to be content in whatever I have. 
So in other words, he's discovered something that's important, and the only way he discovered it is through humility. Because, see, if we will spend more time on our being and addressing the monsters in our closet with humility, then we will experience the abundant life that Jesus wants to bring us. We will avoid major failures in our life and in our leadership if we will allow God to do that because inevitably we will experience pressure. Pressure will come. And what comes out of us is in us. And if we don't address that, it potentially harms us and the people that we love. Yes? So, we will respond in a healthy way and not in a dysfunctional way and allow God to heal us from the hurts that we have in order to experience his best. As Gary McIntosh said, he said, in most every case, the factors that eventually undermine us are shadows of the ones that contribute to our success. John Ortberg said it this way, that we all have shadow missions. Did you know that? Every one of us have a shadow mission. Like you have your mission, and then there's a shadow mission to your life. And if you don't address the shadow mission, your shadow mission will hijack your original mission. I know this is, this is deep. I know because everybody wants a deep church, so here we go. If we will investigate this, then I believe God will bring to pass the promises that he has for us. And here's the thing I know, guys. Anything that I go allow to go unaddressed in my heart, come on. Let's just slow down for a second. Do you have anything in your life that's gone unaddressed? Do you have anything that you're denying right now? Anything that potentially uh, you've ignored? You ever do that? I do that sometimes. You ever said this? I don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. But I think we, no, I don't want to talk about it. Or maybe that thing that somebody starts to poke on. You know what I mean? They get a little too close to it. And the next thing you know, it comes out. The next thing you know, you put up a wall. You say, no, I ain't doing that. I want to suggest to you today that that is the thing that God is interested in. He's interested in that. He's interested in that unaddressed area of our life that, den that we deny, that we, how about this, we explain away. It's really not that bad. It's okay. I'm fine. I just had a bad day. I had bad pizza. I was drunk. I didn't mean it. See, see what happens is we make excuses, and sometimes we even completely repress certain things because to bring them out is just too painful. But I want to suggest to us today that if we will simply trust in a loving father to help us ride that monster all the way down, that as we get to the bottom of that and we don't hijack it, we don't jettison it, we don't medicate it, as we come out and through it, we will experience the abundant joy that Jesus wants to bring to our life. And here's the thing I know, that anything in our life that goes unaddressed, I think I, I think I can say this fairly, that we all have some stuff that's probably been unaddressed. I mean, if we're just being honest, right? Because that's what humility does. So we're just honest. If we, uh, if we go through life and we never address it, pressure can build up, right? And so I, I, I was going to do a little science experiment with you guys today. Uh, so there's some baking soda in this balloon. And I'm going to pour this baking soda in this, oh my goodness. Now, that's where some of us are. And it takes one squeeze, one needle, and all that goes all over everybody. And some of us live this way, under this kind of pressure. And God wants to free you from that. And my heart as your pastor is that you'd get free from that because he doesn't want you to live this way. He has better things for you. Did you know that? That he is your, he is your father. He loves you. What father would not want to help their kid get free? To be healed. And so rather than have life poke your balloon someday, perhaps you allow the Holy Spirit to come 
and begin the process of deflating this so that when the pressure comes, you won't explode. And some of you know, you've been on the other end of the explosions and it's painful. And maybe you've been the, per, per, the person that's doing it or maybe you've been the person that's receiving it, but either way, God has a better way. And so the big idea for this series, once again, come on, is that God wants us to enjoy the abundant life, but in order to do that, we have to ride this monster all the way down in order to experience the abundance that he wants to give us. So this isn't a message where I'm shouting, because I like to shout sometimes. I get, I get frothy mouth, scream a little. But I felt like I needed to pastor us today. Because don't you want the Christian, don't you want Christians in this world to act like Christians? Have you ever been mad at Christians for being stupid? You realize you're one. Your witness, my witness, it matters. Sometimes we remove our witness from the whole equation that everybody else is bad, but not me. And I just want to suggest to us today that, that, that Jesus calls me, me, to a higher level. He's calling you to a higher level. And if we can be the people of God and get control of this side of us, can you imagine the impact that we could do? And be, I mean, you're different. Yes, I am. Let me tell you why. And our witness would go up. Ah, it's, it's just, a, isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? That if we'll ride that monster, that maybe just maybe on the other side of it, yes, not maybe just maybe, Jesus promises it, that there'll be joy and life on the other side of it. Whew, come on. I don't know if you want that. I don't know if you're willing to ride that monster all the way down. But I hope you do. I hope as we walk through this over the next few weeks, that you'll give yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, I'm in. Because I want to be a better version of myself. I want to be able to stand before this world uh, with, 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 a, with a beautiful fragrance that everybody wants to smell. By the way that I live, the way that I act, the way that I behave, and the way that I love people. Let's pray together. God, every person in this room, I believe, wants that abundant life. You may not even be a believer in Jesus Christ today, but I can guarantee you, if I said you want abundance, you're like, yeah, I'm in. But in order to get it, we've got to do some work. And so God, every person in this room that's willing to take a step of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be open over the next few weeks. I'm going to be present. I'm going to listen to the messages. I'm going to work hard to allow the Holy Spirit to show me that dark side or that monster so that I can get healed. I want to pray for you today because I can tell you this, the devil's already whispering in your ear, it's too hard. Why try? I want to rebuke that voice. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the voice of doubt. I rebuke the voice of passivity. I rebuke the enemy and the voices that he tries to speak to us in that lead us to disobedience. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that that voice would be bound up and the only voice we'd hear is the voice of the Father saying, come to me, all who are weary, all who are broken, all who are heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Rest is on the other side of that journey down. And so, Father, I pray for any person in this room today that wants to take that step of faith. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus for the Spirit of God to come upon anyone in this room that desires to be better, that desires to experience the abundant life that Jesus provides. And they're willing to submit themselves to their Lord in a humble fashion, 
asking God, just say to the Lord, God, I'm, I'm open, I'm willing. I wanna humble myself before you now. Would you change me from the inside out? Because I wanna be the light that you've called me to be. I wanna be the servant that you've called me to be. I wanna be like that little child. You know, I also want to just ask a simple question for some of you in the room that may or may not know this, or maybe you've never entered into this relationship. You're like, yeah, I want the abundance, but I don't know Jesus. You know, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he went to a cross, died a brutal death, three days later came out of that tomb, beating sin, beating death, providing a way back to the Father that if you would simply put your faith in him, he would come in and he would begin not only to save you, but he would begin the process of transforming you into the person that he wants you to be so that you can experience the abundant life as well. And so I wanna pray for anybody that'd like to take that step of faith today. And so if you're here and this is you and you're like, yeah, I, I need that. I need to secure this. I need to make sure it's right in my life. I wanna offer this prayer and so church, would you pray with me so that no one's praying alone in here? But if you'd like to take this step of faith, just pray this prayer with me, okay? Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. I repent of my sins. I turn and go in the other direction. I surrender my heart to you. Would you be Lord of my life? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you bring the abundance of Jesus into my life? As I walk humbly with my God, this day and the rest of my days, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate anybody? Wow. Wow. Welcome to the family. We're so glad that you took that step of faith. And I want to invite you to stand. As a church, we always like to end with a moment of response in worship. Because we've worshiped, we've praised, we've also heard the word of God. But this is a time for us to respond. And so I want to invite you to respond in worship to respond to the Lord for anything that he's done, to cement something, right? A decision that you made. Maybe you just need to say, oh, I'm standing on it, Lord, as I worship this morning. And so let's just take a few more minutes and do that. I wanna pray us in. God, we thank you for all that you're doing already. We invite your spirit in this last moment together. We invite you here. Lord, would you touch each heart, each mind, each soul with your presence as we lift you high. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's just worship him.